I just, uh, I just want to say this to all you dads who think you've been in the running for Dad of the Year. I won it, hands down. Um, this last week, I spent my entire vacation week in Orlando, Florida, where the temperature every day was, the heat index was 113 to 114. We paid a lot of money to be out in the sweltering heat, eating nasty, overpriced junk food at amusement parks to get on rides that make you throw up. <laughs> and we do this because we love our children. And uh, spent the entire week there. And I told Wando at the end of the week, you know what, I'm hands down, dad of the year, right here, baby, right, right here, right here. We do, we do it for our kids, amen? Well, actually, I wouldn't do it for my kids. I never took my kids there, but I do it for my grandkids. We would do it for, for our grandkids. We love them. Uh, I want to jump into my series today. Um, we're going to start a brand new series today called Summer in the Psalms. And each week uh, throughout the rest of the summer, we're going to be looking at different psalms that uh, are just powerful words from God that can, I think can really speak to our hearts and challenge us in the way that we live. And I think today, maybe out of all of them, may be the most challenging. Let me, let me set it up for you this way. When I, uh, when I pastored in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, I had a, a couple in our church, Don and Betty. Uh, Don had a brother that lived down in Florida. And uh, so one year they went down to visit his brother and they went there, uh, spent about a week. And he said one night, when he came back, he said one night they went out to dinner. And when they came back to his brother's house, it was gone. His house was gone. Actually, it wasn't gone, it had sunk. Uh, all he said, all you could see was the roof of this house sitting on the ground. His brother had built this house, they had this house built uh, next to a big pond or small lake there in Florida, and evidently it was an area where the soil erodes out from under, the water washes underneath, and it created this sinkhole, and his entire home sunk down in the ground. Can you imagine that? But it begs the question, doesn't it? What are you building your house on? When you think of the way that you're building your home, maybe today on Father's Day is a great day to ask that question. What, what are you building or planning on building your home on? Something that's going to be steady, sturdy, or something that's going to sink? One of the Psalms that... Uh, I think really challenges us and causes us to ask them really good questions is Psalm 127. We're going to throw that up on the screen for you. You want to take your sermon outline out to take notes, you can do that. Uh, they have Bibles in the pews in front of you. Uh, if you want to track along in the Bible, this is from the New Living Translation that I'm going to be reading it from. We have an international version of Bibles in, in the pews, and those are our gift to you. If you want to take one of those home, uh, please feel free to do so. If you've got a friend who needs a Bible, take one to them. We want you to have God's Word. I want you to look with me at what the psalmist says. He says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. 
Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Today, I want to talk to you about this idea of building a home God's way. Um, you know, when, I, when I was sitting with this scripture and just asking God to just speak to me about things that we really need to hear, things that we need to think about, I kept coming back to this idea that when we talk about building a home, when we talk about really allowing God to work in our homes and in our families, it, it always comes back to us as parents and grandparents. Here's the deal. We are the gatekeepers for our homes. We are the ones with the authority to decide what comes into our home and what stays in our home and what is removed from our home. We are given the responsibility under God to make sure that these homes are taken care of. And so when we, when we ask the question, how do we build a home God's way, it really comes back to us as parents and grandparents asking, asking this question, you know, God, what is it that you want to do here? In fact, that's why I put the statement on your outline. Building a home God's way takes parents who are willing to do one thing, and that is seek God with all their hearts. I want to say that again. What it takes to build a home God's way are parents and grandparents who seek God with all their hearts. Look at me, you gotta get this. You see, it's not enough to say, well, yeah, we know we need God in our homes. I mean, we look at our culture and we look at all the stuff that's going on around us and we go, man, if there was ever a time we needed God, it's now. Well, that's very true. But how does God make his way into our homes? It's through us as gatekeepers. It doesn't happen because we hope it happens. It happens because we choose it to happen by seeking after God ourselves. You know, sometimes I think we, get, we just get real complacent, like, you know, I think, I think my home's okay, and we don't really pay careful attention to, to the details that really matter. It reminds me back when, when, the, when the, the history of building the Great Wall of China you know, if you ever see this thing, it's like a few thousand miles long and this huge barrier that they created against their enemies. And yet after this wall was built, they, China still got invaded several times by other, by other armies. Why? One reason. They bribed the gatekeepers. They came right through the gates. They just bribe the gatekeepers. That's why it's so important when we talk about our families and, and say, man, we want things to be different. We really want God to build this house. If we try to do this out of our own strength, the Psalms is right on. Our, our strength is wasted. We can't do this by ourselves. We need the help of God. Amen? Amen? We need the help of God. And so if we do, what does that look like for us? Well, I want to give you, I want to give you a few challenges to take home to build a home God's way. You ready? Here we go. I don't, and again, I, I don't care if you're single and not married yet. One day you're going to have your own household. Even if it's a household of just you, you got to decide how you're going to run it. it. It could be those of you who are, 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 are married and you have no children. could be grandparents. It doesn't really matter. The responsibility falls to us who are the heads of our homes. Here we go. What does it really mean to seek God with all of our hearts? Well, it means they seek God for transformation. They seek God for transformation. I put this statement on your outline. I just think it's so pivotal. 
Parents change their homes by letting God change them. Parents change their homes by letting God change them. Look at me, hear my heart. If you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ and asked the Lord to take over your life, to live his life out through you, ladies and gentlemen, today is the day. You cannot live, raise a home, build a home God's way without God working in you and through you. And we need to be people who not only just say, well, I got saved one time. No, 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 no. It's about seeking the Lord daily, about allowing his Holy Spirit to continue to fill you daily. We need the presence and the power of God in our lives. Does that make sense to you? We need to seek him, and we need to seek him for his transformation that he can give us. Now, I love this story. Th throw that picture up on the screen. This uh, young lady, uh, her name is uh, Jennifer Sutton. She lives over in England. She's uh, 38 years old, but she was never supposed to live to be 38. Uh, when she was quite young, she, they were discovered that she had a heart condition that continued to deteriorate, and it was a heart condition that they could not fix surgically. There was really nothing they could do except give her a heart transplant. And so they did. Throw that picture up on the screen. In 2007, when she was 22 years old, uh, she received uh, a heart. She found, they found a match, and she received a heart uh, from this donor. And this is actually Jennifer right after she came out of recovery. You can see her giving the thumbs up to her family that she was, that she was feeling good af after the surgery, at least until the meds wore off, I'm sure. And she probably was a little sore. But uh, she, got, she, got, she got her brand new heart. And in the, in the interview with her, it, it was so interesting because that's been 16 years ago. And they talked about, she talked about the transformation for her uh, of being able to not be able to do anything to be able to do everything and how well she feels and how, how full her life has been. And, and uh, she's married now. And she's just talked about all these things that this neighborhood. She goes, you know, I got a new heart and I became a brand new person. But what was really wild was just a few months ago, I didn't realize that when they take your heart that sometimes they just decide to keep it. Well, they put her heart in whatever they put it in, whatever kind of solution to keep it. But they put it, throw that next picture up on screen, they put it in a museum in England. That is Jennifer's heart from 16 years ago, the old heart that they, that they took out of her. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is Jennifer with her surgeon actually at this museum, visiting this museum. Can you imagine standing in a museum looking at your old heart sitting there under a, under a, a, a piece of glass? That was what, and she said, I'm standing there looking, and she said, I can't believe, I can't believe who I am now because of this new heart that I've been given. Look at me. That's your opportunity. You see, the Bible says that when we fully give our lives over to Jesus Christ. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new spirit. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bad your heart has been. It doesn't matter how dark your life has been. The word of God says that if any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old is gone and behold, all things become new. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the transforming power of God? You see, that's so critical for us. 
You say, Pastor Steve, what, what do our families need more than anything else? Our families need moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas who are seeking God with everything they've got because that's how God pours himself out upon our families. The passage of scripture there in your outline, Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Read it with me. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, if you want to know, want to know what God wants you to do, then seek God with everything you have. He'll transform you and he'll show you that. I love Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Read it with me out loud. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Now, here's the deal. I wrote a devotional for, for today, actually, when I talked about my dad telling stories of when he was growing up as a, in a family of one of 16 kids and my grandfather being a man of faith and how he had to depend on God. And I can just still remember those stories my dad told me. And I, and I talked about how that gets handed down. And what I said in that devotional this morning was that faith is more caught than taught. In other words, as we as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, as we become the men and women of God, he wants us to be. Our kids catch that stuff from us. And so if we want our families to be different, then we've got to go to God and say, Lord, then make me different because revival starts right here. Amen. Revival starts right here. I saw this. There's an artist by the name of Chad Knight. He does this um, 3D digital uh, art. And uh, I saw this one picture. Just, I just thought this was so cool. Throw this up the screen. I, I love this. This is a, a 3D digital statue of a father. You see all these holes. And the son is made out of all of those holes from the father. In other words, our kids are made from the pieces of us that we give them. So here's the question. So what are you giving them? Are you giving them the spirit of God? Or are you giving them something else? Faith is caught. And if we want our kids and grandkids to catch it, then we've got to let God fill us. Now, come on, full disclosure. We all know that ultimately our kids have to choose for themselves. We all know that eventually our kids become adults and they have to make their own choices and they have to choose their own paths. But what we know is this, when we as parents do our part, we up the odds of our kids staying as people of faith a lot more. The studies have shown that when parents don't go to church, they don't seek the things of God, that maybe 2% of those kids will somewhere along the way catch on, find God and, and serve him. When moms alone serve God, about 30% of the kids will eventually follow that path of faith as well. When fathers step in and moms and dads step in and together, that that number jumps up to well over 40% of the kids choose that way of faith. All, All I'm saying through all of this is when we want our families to change, we have to think strategically and say, it begins right here. Lord, change me so you can change my family. Amen? Amen?
Amen. Another thing we, we talk about seeking God, we, we also seek God for wisdom. We also need to seek God for wisdom. How many of you thought, who, who, have, who are or have been married, how many of you before you got married thought you knew a thing or two about marriage and then discovered shortly thereafter you knew absolutely nothing? Yeah, anybody honest enough to admit that? Absolutely. I mean, don't you wish they gave you a manual for marriage? I mean, don't, don't you wish, husbands, don't you wish you had a manual so that when you, your wife says, you know, when you say, are you ready? She says, I'll be ready in a minute. You can pull your manual out and go, in a minute. What does that really mean? And you can find that in the manual and you find, it says it means absolutely nothing. That's what that means, you know. And you could go, okay, I get that now. You know, or, or, or wives, you know, you could you do that when, when you tell your husband, you know, you know, you need to do this. And he says, I will. And he goes, oh, he says, I will. What does that really mean? And you look it up in your manual and it means absolutely nothing. It doesn't mean anything at all either. You know, you, have, you wish you had a man. And how about when you had kids? Wanda and I knew so much about parenting until we had children. And then after you have kids, you go, I know nothing. I'm a total idiot. I have no idea how to, how to take care of these kids. I have no idea how to, how to control these kids. I, I, have, I have no idea what, what I'm doing. Where do you go? Well, there are lots of good books, and there are a lot of great resources, but I'm going to tell you today, especially in the 21st century and the culture we live in, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be people who are seeking God for wisdom. Because we need divine insight and wisdom to help our kids and grandkids navigate through this crazy, crazy culture. That's why I put the statement on your outline. It says, you know what? Parents weren't given a manual to consult, but they do have a father they can ask. I love the passage of scripture there. Read it out loud with me from James 1.5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. I love that. Psalm 111.10 says, and the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. Good sense is shown by everyone who follows God's guiding principles. There's a, an author, um, Paul David Tripp, and he writes a lot of parenting stuff. He, he had this really cool thing I want to read for you in a second, but he, he talked about how when he realized how little he really knew about raising kids, he said, you know, I write books on parenting, but he said, I found myself growing angry with my kids. He said, I found myself growing frustrated with my kids. He said, I found myself saying things to my kids that I swore I would never say and doing things that I swore I'd never do. How many of you can relate to this? You know, you go, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never been, he said, I found myself doing it. He said, but then he said, I, I went to God. And I just said, God, I, I need your help. And he said, I just began to seek the Lord. I said, Lord, I need some insight and understanding. And he said, God showed me something. He said, that was so helpful for me. He said, he said God brought me to the humbling conclusion. And he, and, he, and he said, in his grace, he led me to this understanding that I am more like my children than unlike them. This is what he says. He says, the reality is there are very few struggles in the lives of my children that aren't in my life as well. Materialism, relationships, wanting my own way, attraction to the world, subtle idolatries. He goes, oh, all of this. And he goes, this admission of me being willing to admit that I struggle with the same things that my kids struggle with, he goes, it transformed my parenting. 
He said, instead of approaching my children with this self-righteous outrage, he said, I moved toward them as a sinner in need of grace, needing to confront a sinner in need of grace. Did you catch that? He said, I started moving toward them as a sinner in need of grace, confronting a sinner in need of grace. He said, God's plan is to make his invisible grace visible to children by sending parents of grace to give grace to children who need grace. And parents who know they need grace tend to want to give their kids, give grace to children who are just like them. When I read that, it blew my little hair back. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that is such a powerful statement. That is pure wisdom from God. Now, look at me. For those of you watching online, look me, look me in the eye for a second. You got to hear this. We don't have manuals for this stuff. You know, we don't have a manual for a marriage. We don't have a manual on how to be great parents or great grandparents. But, but here's the deal. We have a God of all wisdom who will meet us right where we are. We need to seek him. Let me give you another one. And this one's very subtle but very powerful. We need to seek God for perspective. We need to seek God for perspective. The verse one from Psalm 127 that I read to you just a few moments ago from 127 verse three, would you read it out loud with me? It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Now, I, I know that kids don't always feel like a gift. Sometimes they feel like a curse. Sometimes you go, God, are you getting me back now for all of the sins of my life by my kids? Is that, is that what you're doing? I know it feels, but, but he says they're, they're a gift. They're, they are a reward. Look at Proverbs 18, 22. Look at what it says about our wives. Read it with me. He says, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Circle that. He finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Now, sadly, Nowhere in the Bible does it say any good thing about a man. <laughs> I think that's because God is smart enough to know we all know how wonderful men really are, right? Can we assume that? But here's, here's the deal. Our families are treasures. Our families are precious. Our families are things that we are to cherish. And, and I guarantee you, I wrote about this in a devotional a few days ago. If you were to do a survey in this room and you were to ask people in this room, what are the things in your life that you cherish the most? Most of us in this room, most of us would start off with God, family, or family, God, one of those two, but that's the order they would be in. But here's the deal. Do you really treat them that way? Just think with me for a second. Think about how you treated your family members this last week. The things that you said, the things that you did, the way that you acted toward them, did you really treat them as rewards and treasures and gifts from God? Or did you treat them a whole lot worse than you treat the average person on the street? Come on, it's just us. You see, honestly, Sometimes we treat the worst the people we say we love the most. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
When we build a home God's way, we treat them like treasures. Amen. There was a woman um, back in 2013. She went out garage sailing up in upstate New York. She went to this area where there were several garage sales. She just kind of went from garage sale to garage sale, just kind of see what kind of stuff she could find and just looking for little things she might find for her house or whatever. And she stopped at this one little garage sale and she saw this kind of a cute little white bowl. It was about five inches around. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's what it looked like. And she, she picked it up and she looked at it. And it wasn't anything, you know, ornate or all that. But just kind of a plain little bowl. But it was, it, looked, it just looked pretty. And she just imagined in her mind what that would look like up on a mantle in her house. And, and uh, thought, yeah. And so she asked, how much, how much for this bowl? And they said, $3. And so she bought it, 3 bucks. And took it home. She put it up on the mantle. And she put different little arrangements, things in it. And she said, had it up there for like four or five years. Just kind of, boy. And she had, one day she had a friend over her house and, um, her friend saw that bowl and she looked at it and her friend said, you know, this thing looks really old. And she said, well, I don't, you know, it might be, I don't know. I, you know, I got it at a garage sale and, and started looking at it. She goes, you know, I, I really think you need to have an antique person look at this. It, it might be worth something. It kind of got her excited and said, well, that, you know, kind of be kind of cool. And so she took it to an antique dealer who looked at it and he goes, yeah, he goes, that's not my specialty, but I, I know some people who, who are, who do specialize in that. He said, do you mind, can I keep it? Can I show it to them? And she said, well, sure. And so she took it to these specialists who look at these kinds of artifacts, and they came back, and they said, the guy said, uh, yeah, you got something kind of special here. And she said, what do you mean? So, well, it's, it's 1,000 years old, and it's from one of the Chinese dynasties. It's a Chinese bowl. She said it was from a, this particular dynasty. He said there's only one other one in the world that they know of, and that's in a museum in England. And the auctioneers that I talked to said this bowl is probably, probably going to sell for two hundred dollars to $300,000. Well, this woman was blown away. She was even more blown away when they took it to auction and it sold for $2.2 million. A garage sale bowl. I, I just want you to get this. You see, sometimes we treat the most priceless treasures in our home like they are giveaway items. Or pieces of trash. And I'm going to tell you, we need to seek the perspective of God to see our family through his eyes. Look at me. Hear my heart, man. I've, I've raised kids and I've got grandkids. I, I know what I'm talking about. I know they get under your skin. I know they can be irritating. I know they can be loud. I know there are times you want to pull what hair you have left out or you want to run away and hide. I, I, I get all of that. But family is still a gift from God. And we won't treat them that way until we see them that way. Amen? Let me give you one more. We need to seek God for protection for our homes. We need to seek God for protection for our homes. You know, you don't, you don't have to look hard to see what a mess our culture has become. I, it, you know, there was a time you never 
worried about your kids walking to school. You never thought about your kids might go to a school and get shot. You never thought about those kinds. You never worried about your kids getting snatched up off the streets. You didn't, you didn't worry about that kind of stuff. And now every, everywhere we look, it's like our hearts skip a beat because we're so afraid of what might happen to, to our families out there. And we got to understand, this is part of this fallen culture that, just, that is filled with evil. You know, Peter wrote about this 2,000 years ago when he talked about what the devil's up to. First Peter 5, 8, read it out loud with me. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if that picture was ever true, it's true now. And when I did that series a while back called, you know, Know Your Enemy, and I talked about the fact this is why we have to bathe our families in prayer, how, why we need to seek God to give protection in places where we can't be and things that we're not even sure what we're up against because there are forces out there that are trying to devour our families. But there's another piece to this, and I really want to push on us with this for a second is we have to also step up as the gatekeepers and help protect our families with the wisdom that God gives us. And I said this on your outline, I put this on your outline. God calls us as parents to be protectors, listen very carefully, even when we have to protect them from themselves. You see, I know you don't win any points as a parent when you turn a TV off and say, that's inappropriate to watch. I know it's not, you're not the most liked parent in the car when you take the phone away from your kid and say, you know what, you can't, you can't use this right now or you can't be on there. I know, I, I know you're not the most popular parent in the room when you monitor what your kids watch on the computers and, and what they see, but I'm gonna tell you, look at me, we have to. We can't expect our children to govern themselves. Look at me, they're just children. We have to. We have to protect them. And I know it doesn't make us popular. And I know it doesn't make us the well-liked parent. And I know there are parents who say, oh, I just let them watch what they want. They'll figure it out. Look at me. You're kidding yourself. They're going to devour them. We need parents who will step up, look at me, and be parents. I love you. Your kid has enough buddies. He needs parents in his life. Amen? I guarantee you, if I were to ask you what you would do to protect your child if you knew they were in danger, you'd say anything. But you only find that out once you've discovered your kid really is in danger. You know, some of you have heard a couple of weeks ago, uh, Wanda and I got woken up at about a quarter to six in the morning. The phone call that came to our house phone. It was the last day of school, and we thought it was, we didn't really know what time it was when the phone rang, but we thought it might be our grandson wanting a ride to school. But realized when Wanda got out of bed, it was quarter six, it was way earlier than that. And when my son, Ben, came on the answering machine, Wanda grabbed it up, and she goes, what's wrong? And then all of a sudden, Wanda's going, oh no, oh no. We have a 14-year-old autistic granddaughter. 
And Ben told our, uh, my wife, Wanda, that he got up and realized that she was gone. And he looked at her room camera and found out that she had walked out of her room at 3 o'clock in the morning, and she was nowhere to be found. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around kids who suffer from autism. She's pretty well on the spectrum. She can't carry on a conversation. Uh, she's extremely vulnerable. She doesn't understand danger. But our granddaughter had opened a window and climbed out. And here she was, and by this time, it's been an hour and a half, and she's been out who knows where. Wanda and I just started bawling. We started praying out loud. And I'm, I'm getting dressed, Wanda's getting dressed, and as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm throwing my clothes on, getting ready to run out the door, Wanda said, go to PetSmart. You know, Jolie talked last night about she wanted a hamster, and she loves to go to PetSmart, loves to look at the animals and all this kind of stuff. And she goes, I'll go the other way. And so we ran, and we ran out of the house, and I jumped in my car, and I'm taking off down the street. And as I took off down the street, my son calls me, and he said, Dad, I just called the police. They have her. Our granddaughter had walked three miles in the dead of night to a PetSmart store and was trying to get in. She didn't have the mental capability to understand that there are store hours and all that. All she knew is this is where the animals were and she wanted to be in. Now, thankfully, and I thank God every day, nothing happened to her. She could have been taken away by perpetrators. She could have been hit by a car. Any number of things could have went sideways that night. And I thank God. I thank God for his protection. But one of the things we realized is we all need to up our security. <laughs> and so we called our alarm company because we have these sensors on our roof that on, on our ceilings that are glass breaks. So if somebody breaks a window to get in, you know, we, it'll, we'll, it'll set off the alarm, but we don't have sensors on the window. You know, alarm systems are meant to keep people out, not keep them in. And so we called our alarm company and said, we need sensors on our windows. We need all this. Long story short, we're spending about $3,000 to upgrade our security system just to protect our granddaughter. And can I tell you something? I'd pay 10 times that amount. We love her that much. And I know you love your kids too. But sometimes on this journey, like with Jolie, we have to protect them from themselves. Does that make sense to you? Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Gatekeepers, what could you use today? More strength from God? Could you use more of his transforming power in your life? You recognize this morning that you need to be a little more of the man or woman of God that he's called you to be to be that for your kids and for your grandkids? Do you need wisdom? Are, are you struggling to understand how to navigate this marriage, how to navigate these kids? Do you need wisdom from God. Do you sense the need today to ask God to help you be a better protector for your family? Well, this morning, I, I want to I do something just a little different. I just, I just want to pray over you. And, and I want to ask for all of you today, for any of you who would say, Pastor Steve, I want to 
I want to be a better gatekeeper. I need more of God in my life. I need more of God in our home. I I want God to be the one to build our house. I need his strength. I need his wisdom. I need his transforming power. I need his protection. All I'm going to ask you to do is this. If that's your prayer today, in a moment I'm going to pray, but I just want you to stand right where you are and say, God, I need that. I need more of your wisdom. I need more of your strength. Just stand up wherever you are to say, I need that, Father. I need that. I need that. Would you just bow your heads before the Lord? And for just a second, would you whisper your own quiet prayer? Tell the Lord exactly what you need today. And I, and I just beg you, if you have never opened your heart and received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, make today your day. Get a brand new heart. Get a brand new spirit. Step into a, a mode of operating where you're going to build this house God's way, not your way. Let's pray. Oh, Father, today, I pray for all of us. Lord, we we live in a world that it seems like it is sinking fast. There is so much turmoil out there, so much fear, so much evil. And sometimes, Lord, when when I watch the news, sometimes when I see what's going on, I'm thinking, how in the world can can my kids survive this next generation? How can my grandkids endure? But Father, the answer to that is found in you. You told us in Psalm 127 that unless you build our homes, we're wasting our time and we're wasting our strength. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to fall upon us today. I'm asking you to fill us to overflowing. I'm asking you to give us marriages that we can't have out of our own strength, that marriages that we can only have because you work among us. I'm asking you to make us the parents and the grandparents that we need to be. I'm praying, Father, today that you would transform us into men and women of God so that as we can have something that was worthy of passing on to our kids. I'm asking you to give us wisdom. I'm asking you to give us perspective. I'm asking, oh God, for you to wrap your arms of protection around us. Lord, the enemy is out there seeking whom he may devour. But today we declare that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Father, I pray, I pray for every family under the hearing of my voice that you would help us to build homes that the world would look at and go, I want a home like that. Make us models of what it looks like when we build a home God's way. That's our prayer. In your precious name we ask. And everyone said, amen. Amen. 